This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Everybody, welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. And I'm Danielle Henderson. Film is what we're here to talk about with y'all today. Hey, Danielle. What's up? How you doing? Uh, I'm fine. It's September. I can't believe it's the years just flown by. It's fucking cruising. I'm fully dressed, if that gives you any indication to the seasonal change. I'm no longer... Henry Rollins, no, no longer pulling a Hank Rollins. Hank, <laughs> old Hank in his shorts. I've got full outfit on, a full outfit and shoes. Yeah. Who the fuck do I oh, think I and am? And shoes. Wow, that's an, that's truly an incredible moment. Because I've seen you this summer, and <laughs> there weren't many layers going on. <laughs> it was real loosey goosey around here. It was real yeah. like, oh, that old lady that lives in the woods in that weird house. Energy. <laughs> the naked house. The naked I, I, shorts house. I took my fucking garbage out. I wasn't wearing any pants. I totally forgot to put on pants, went outside and just wheeled my garbage can to the curb. And I was like, oh, glad nobody saw me. I think nobody saw me. And you know, my fucking garbage, my curb is far. Like, it's not <laughs> like it's just like I walked out the door, took two steps and put it yeah. on the street. Like I had to walk to the street quite a ways. And I was yeah. halfway back before I realized I ain't got no fucking pants on. Thank God I got some drawers on. Thank God yeah. I was just porky pigging it, but like I had underwear on. <laughs> but like, thank God I had underwear on because I never know who can see. I mean, I don't have a lot of neighbors, but I don't want to terrify any of them. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, it's a far, it's a far way to travel with no pants. And Too that's. Far. And that is the thing, is that it it is that moment where I think just as a person who has, you know, been working at home for the past couple years and not really interacting with people on the regs in that way, there are times where, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go walk outside and maybe I'm not wearing a bra or any something like that, but it's, like, not wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, that was a new one for me. Look, they, basically, they should have never given me this much freedom. Yeah. Because oh, okay. I am, I am, I am unruly with the amount of freedom that I have right now. Yeah, no, I totally hear that. Plus, there's too many animals around here, like ticks and all. I I should never be outside without pants on. I'm constantly outside without pants on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and trust me, in in if you live in the woods and it's like the ticks are out, you're supposed to wear like long sleeves and long pants. Yeah. Like, and I'm not, out here. No like, shirt, only shorts, no shoes. Exactly. Not the exact opposite of that, which is barely any clothes ever. Even I was sitting on my porch yesterday, no fucking clothes on, just underwear, just underwear and a bra, just sitting on my porch, enjoying the sunshine. And a cricket the size of a fucking mouse jumped on the chair. And I was Mm. like, this is why people have clothes on, because what if this thing, like, it was just too many, too close. It was too many inches. 
near my fucking tits. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't have you jumping on my fucking tits if you're yeah. a cricket like this, like this huge ass cricket. I couldn't, can't have it. So, well, I admire you. I unfortunately, I'm not as free <laughs> with my alone time. Like, I'm, you know, me, I think we talked about this. I wear multiple cardigans. Also, I think at one point I mentioned in a very early episode that what I, I love, like, Cary Grant pajamas where it's yeah. like <laughs> you like pajamas matching with top a and bottoms long sleeve <laughs> long pants <laughs> then a robe <laughs> your pajamas have like a separate spot for like a wallet <laughs> yeah <laughs> I wish I could sleep naked I've never been able to sleep naked what no I mean in this maybe in certain situations if if it if it came up like I would but it's like in in the normal state of my life, I I have to wear pajamas. I just feel like there needs to be a barrier <laughs> between the sheets and my body. And I don't know why that is. I could not be more opposite. <laughs> and the, the winter is the fucking worst time of year for me because I kind of have to wear pajamas so I can stay warm at night. Yeah. And I've tried it with like flannel sheets. I, it's, it's pajamas. Like I have to wear pajamas in the winter. And the minute... It gets even two degrees warm enough for me to not. I'm naked for the rest of the fucking season. Dude. Like I can, and I've always been like this. As a child, I would take my pajamas off in the middle of the night, and my mom would come in and get me and be like, "Why are you fucking naked?" And I'm like, "I don't know, man. I got hot. I got to take these pajamas off." She used to cut yeah. the feet out of my pajamas because I'm like, my feet need to be free. I can't take it. They should have never given Ugh. me this much freedom. I'm yeah right now living my best my best life, dude. I. Listen, I'm trying to get at your level. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> truly. Like, Maybe I'm, a, a little robe? Yeah. I mean, the first step is truly to get out of the triple XL band t-shirt. You know? <laughs> is That's kind of like my, my, mo- my mode when I go to sleep is that I'm like a little, some pajama bottoms and then like a ginormous... Soundgarden t-shirt or something. <laughs> but but then like, I don't know, sometimes when it gets really hot, I'm like, how do I how do I modify this? Do I just wear a bralette and some bottoms? Like, do I just take the pants off completely? I don't know. I just I need a Bitch, barrier. If you, if you put on a bralette to go to sleep, I am not your friend anymore. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You need a barrier. Get another sheet. Wrap yourself up like a mummy in a little sheet and then put another top sheet on, on top of that. And you'll technically yeah. be naked, but you'll still have your barrier. Well, but but here's something else about me that you may not know. I actually am not really into covers. Do you see what I'm well, saying? Well, that's why you can't sleep naked because you're completely exposed to the elements if you sleep naked. Exactamundo. Gotcha. Like, I'm, okay. I'm like... Gotcha. I think for me, I would rather the coverage would be in the clothes and not the sheets. Do you know what gotcha. I'm saying? That makes perfect sense. Carry on with your bralette. I totally get it now. <laughs> no, the bralette is sad. Don't sleep in a bralette. Don't, the, the boobs need to be as flat as fucking pancakes when you're asleep. Wet I should not mittens. be hoisting him. Wet yeah. mittens when you're asleep. Yeah. So, but that makes so much sense because if I was sleeping naked without covers, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm naturally going to get like serial killed tonight, or a murderer is going to come in here." Yeah, that's too. Exposing. If I, yeah, in, in my 
I don't know what it is about. I, I feel very constricted in covers, especially if there's a tight fucking tuck. Like when you're in a hotel yeah. and they mm. do that tight tuck at the bottom. I'm like, are you trying to suppress me? Like, I can't have this. I feel suffocated no. by the tight tuck. The first thing I do is untuck that sheet. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, And then my dream, ultimately a dream, a scenario for me would be laying in bed Completely comfortable temperature, possibly a flat sheet, maybe halfway on the on the legs, but I don't want to be covered in anything unless it's like super duper freezing outside. Like I just right. don't, I want a feeling of something, but I don't want the whole, I don't want to be covered. Uh, and totally. you're right, maybe that's why the clothes are there. That's why yeah. I don't sleep naked. Yeah. yeah, otherwise you would be way too exposed. Yeah. The clothes make sense. I totally get it. Because again, yeah. beyond beyond serial killers, like I don't want spiders all crawling up in my shit if I'm just naked with no covers on in my bed. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's see, that's that's the other thing too, is that I've I've had instances where a roach has crawled on me in the middle of the night or some Mm-mm. weird shit like that. And I'm like, from that point on, no way. No, no, no. orifice will be unexposed in the event. No orifice left behind. <laughs> Now I'm trying to get no palmetto bug in my ass. Like that's a real thing that could happen in Georgia, by the way. Fuck that. Those things can fly. Do you know what a palmetto bug is, people? Like a palmetto yeah, bug is roach. essentially it's an oversized roach that can fly. It is uh, uh. fucking crazy. Yes. Hell no. And they are all over the place in the summertime down here. And no. they're and they're fast as shit. Like, even Mm-mm. when they're not flying, they're super fast. So I don't need it. I do not need palmetto fucking bugs crawling up in my shit. Keep yeah. your cicadas. Keep all that shit <laughs> off. Well, speaking of bugs in the ass. No, actually, that's a bad segue. <laughs> this is a terrible segue. <laughs> or the best one of all time. Or could be. <laughs> well, and... Here's the thing. We've been reading some of the viewer letters on the main feed, um, even though our bonuses are also on the main feed now. So there's no distinction, really. But sometimes we pull them on to a main feed episode because they're fun. And we actually, this is a, we've read an email from, from this person before. His name is Sam. He was the one that sent us the epic Halloween themed FMK. Oh my God. Where it was revealed that Danielle wants to marry the blob. <laughs> and I think that was the one where you said you would you would fuck both Jason and Michael. I would yeah, I would no would fuck and marry Jason, I think is what I said. Cause you yelled at me about that. You were like, that is was not mad. the part of the rules. And and now looking back, <laughs> looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, I should have been yelled at. That was not proper. <laughs> FMK etiquette. Look, you just sure. couldn't choose. You just couldn't choose. So, but that yeah. that email was truly epic, Sam. Yeah. So Sam's back with another incredible FMK. Actually, two. And here's the email. So, hey, y'all. So, I just recently listened to episode 118. And when I got an HBO Max, Enter the Dragon and Bloodsport were right next to each other. Woo! Yeah. So I had a true double feature tonight. And wow, were y'all right about both movies. Truly an amazing and weird way to spend my night. (laughs) While I don't think 
I will ever top my Halloween FMK I sent last year. I am already thinking about another Halloween one for this year. Watching these, I thought of a quickish FMK to send in. It's just two rounds, and the first one I think is going to be pretty easy, but I cannot wait to hear y'all talk about it. I love listening to y'all every week, and hearing y'all scream, laugh, is always the best part of an episode. Forever your fan, Sam. Oh, thank you, Sam. We love we Sam. Are, we are also your fan, because again, that, that Halloween FMK is one for the books. Yeah, Property Rich Dracula, I will never forget. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get Scotty and Pete back on the podcast, by the we way. We have to. About that. We have to. Scotty and Pete from the movies that made us gay, which you should yes. also be listening to. So fun. So are you ready to tackle this? I mean, I'm scared about how I might answer. Are I'm you? I'm ready. I'm fucking oh God. ready. Yeah. I mean, I've been going through this all morning going, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do the right thing. So let's just put that out there. Okay. So... Sam's FNK, first round, the Enter the Dragon cast. Fuck, Mary Kill, Bruce Lee, Jim Kelly, and John Saxon. This is so easy for me. I figured it would be, but I am going to fuck Bruce Lee into dust. <laughs> dust. I'm going to ruin his body. He's going to be like one of the, he's going to be like Zelda from, uh, from Pet Cemetery, just like all emaciated and like dehydrated <laughs> when I'm done with him. Like he'll show up all muscly and Bruce Lee like. And by the time I'm done with him, he's going to look like a piece of beef jerky. <laughs> You're going to fuck the moisture right out of his body. I'm going to fuck all the water right out of him. I'm going to marry Jim Kelly because mm. I feel like he would maybe not always be gone, but he will always be training. And that's sure. enough. And I feel sure. like he's he's fun. He's got a good sense of humor. And as we could tell from Enter the Dragon, he he's sexually adventurous. So if you marry that, you're you're going to get the best of both worlds. Absolutely. And I'm killing John Saxon because the haircut is too much for me. <laughs> and he's he's reckless with money. He's a gambler. Our lives would be miserable if we married, and I would be so sick of listening to him talk about gambling while we fuck. I gotta kill him. <laughs> Hair, I think, plays a lot into your FMKs. Because the Anton Sugar marry... thing, too. Like, yeah. it was, you know, it's a deciding factor. It kind of is. Yeah. It kind of is. But yeah, like, I, I just, that, I can't look at that hair all the time for marrying or fucking. <laughs> And he's he's reckless. He's a reckless motherfucker. I can't have him in my life. He's got to go. And, he, and he's an overpacker. Oh, You're my like, God, God. The man. Listen, I am a carry on only bitch. I can travel oh, for know. three months out of one bag. Yeah. I'm a professional packer when it comes to getting my shit ready to go. Yeah. I would run away from him if he had the nerve to bring 10 trunks, not even suitcases, 10 trunks full of shit for a three-day event? What are you, a fucking real housewife? Get out of here. I know. And, oh, exactly. And it was funny because I remember when you came and stayed with me the weekend that you were here for the Karis event, I was like, this bitch literally just came in with a purse. Like, she, <laughs> just for a weekend. She was like, she just came in with a big purse. And then you bought like five books, like five hardcover books while you were down here and fit them in that purse. 
I was like, I did. What a G. I bought, what a G. I bought a backpack to see you. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm only here for a couple of days. I can do this in a backpack. And I had like different outfit choices and shit. I had another pair of shoes. Yeah, you had a coat. I mean, it was yeah. all, I mean, I was very impressed by your efficiency. <laughs> so yeah, that was the first thing I thought of when you're killing John Saxon. I was like, this guy's got the Louis Vuitton set. There's no way she's no. getting with this guy. So He's traveling like he's on the Titanic just to go to like Cleveland. I can't do it. <laughs> But how are you going to answer? Okay. I am, I'm really torn up about this. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm the anti-you. Let's just say that in this case. <laughs> so, fuck, Mary kill. I am going to fuck John Saxon. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> I knew it, though. I knew it. Because he's got that sporty 70s fucking shitty little body. And, like, I knew it. He's a jock. <laughs> Yes, I, I need. I would need to get into that like man hair for a little while, you know. Like have a couple brandies and see what shakes loose. Like I just like he probably smells like brute or something, and I'm just like, totally. okay, that's that would be like a fun romp. Okay. Oh, he, absolutely. That is you all over. He smells like Dracar Noir. Yeah, and he looks like a '70s soccer player yes it would be like a super fun craggy night <laughs> for your girl so there's that now marrying i feel like once i say this you're gonna scream because it you know basically says it informs the rest of the thing so you're like okay if i'm marrying somebody that means somebody's dead yeah <laughs> so I'm going to marry Jim Kelly. Bitch, what? <laughs> You're not going to fuck or marry Bruce Lee? I think you know why we're going to have to kill Bruce. <laughs> I would love to see you try it. I would no, love to see you try to kill Bruce Lee. It would never happen, <laughs> I would be dead. But I think it's because he's got that mouth. He's a shit talker. He's a fucking shit talker. And you know how I feel about shit talkers. That is that is always a deal breaker for you. That is always, I don't care how hot, if Channing Tatum started running that mouth, you'd be out the door. <laughs> you got I can't mouth. deal with the shit talkers. I'm just not. Like, I mean, Jim <laughs> Kelly in the movie is a little bit of a shit talker as well, but I'm just saying, oh, beats per minute, Bruce Lee is shit talking more than everybody else. He's very oh, he's confident. I love confidence, but it, there's a level. There's a level to it where I'm like, okay, this is annoying. I can't marry you. I can't marry a guy like that. He's got that mouth. And <laughs> he's got that mouth, and he, that mouth comes with attitude. Like, he, he can't true. tone it down. No. Which is why cannot. I'm going to fuck him. I'm going to fuck him right. and see how that plays out in the bedroom. But you're going to kill him because you're like, you'd be running that mouth all over town about all our shit. All our business would be out there just so you could get in a fight. Yeah. Look, I, I these kill these fmks <laughs> kill me like because it makes me feel like i'm doing the wrong thing and uh, do i want to kill asian legend bruce lee no but in the context of this game he gotta die because he he talks too much so look it, it makes sense shocking but it makes absolute sense that is a <laughs> shocking round of fmk thank you sam i know, I know. Shocking. A, we reveal so much so Second and last round here. 
I feel like this is going to be super fun. <laughs> and I cannot wait to hear what you're going to say. So second and last <gasps> FMK round from Sam. Action men of the 1980s. Fuck, Mary kill. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Sylvester Stallone. Okay. This one might surprise you. This might be a, a re- very mm-hmm. revealing round for me. I'm going to fuck Sylvester Stallone. Mm, okay, okay. Now, you know one of my tattoos is based on the movie Rocky. Yes. It's, pos- it's one of my top three favorite movies of all time. The first one. Uh-huh. Which is a stunning study of masculinity. Yes. I know he, he has had some problems, some problematic shit go on in his life. But mm-hmm. just from the perspective of the 80s action dude, I will fuck him. Like, sure. you gotta fuck you gotta fuck Rambo. Yes, yes. Take you, a crack. You, you, you gotta. Like, he's out yeah. in the woods. Like, he'll, again, throwing you up in a tree. Like, it's gonna get wild. <laughs> he'll, like, throw you down in a well and then jump in on top of you and start spinning around like a <laughs> helicopter. Like, it's gonna get weird <laughs> if you no fuck way. Rambo. <laughs> So I gotta, I gotta fuck Stallone. I, I'll take, I will grab the human growth hormone out of his fucking hands and smash <laughs> it against a wall, and then we'll get down. Now that means I have to kill or marry one of the other ones. Hmm. I am going to marry Jean Claude Van Damme. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And that just came off the dome. I didn't even think about it. I'm going to marry Jean-Claude Van Damme. I think because he's always up to some fuck shit, so he's never really home. He's like, oh, today I'm a Belgian-American fucking army dude. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I'm going to be kicking ass in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's me straddling two trucks. I'm going to marry him because he ain't long for this world, pulling all this shit he's pulling. Plus, he can do those deep splits. And I'll be like, do those deep splits and clean under the fucking stove. Like, get under that fridge. I'll put his ass to work all over the house. Like, oh, fucking climb on the ceiling like goddamn Spider-Man and use those thigh muscles to clean the he's fucking in, ceiling He's fan. in the crawl space of your house in that split, like, <laughs> hopping around, being like, hey, so I noticed that the pipes are actually cast iron down here. Maybe we need to fix that. Get some PVC. You better hop around on those nuts and tell me what's going on with the fucking H-Bag. <laughs> you better use those nuts like a bouncy ball. Do those fucking splits. And get in that basement. <laughs> I would have that dude... Doing all kinds. He would fix my house from top to bottom. He'd be reciting it. He'd be in the fucking garage taking down planks. Like, do it all. Yes. Use those, put those thigh muscles to work. And that Amazing. means I got to kill Arnold. Because as much as... Yeah. I, I can't... With Arnold, for me, I can't excuse the whole political portion of his life. He got to go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Got to go. I, I understood. Understood. Plus, he's so big, I feel like he would accidentally hurt me. Like, I'm a big bitch. I'm a big bitch. But I feel like he would accidentally, like, he would hug me and then my ribs would cave in. Yes. Oh, always a threat. I mean, you are going to be fucking Sylvester Stallone, so you may want to think about that as well for, hi- for him. 
but he's shorter. He's shorter than than, yeah. than Arnold, I think. So I yeah. feel like I can take him. Oh, I don't. Yeah. That, that's something that's wrong with me in my head, where I feel like because I'm tall, no matter how many muscles they have, I can take them if they're shorter than me. <laughs> Even if they look like a character that walks straight out of the Street Fighter video game, I'm like, I could take you because I got like four inches on you. Yeah, this is good. Listen, I. I I, I, I can completely understand that mathematic equation that you've just made. <laughs> Having said that, I still think you're going to get crushed <laughs> by Sylvester ah! in, the, in the well that you're in while he's helicoptering or whatever he can, the fuck. <laughs> he can fuck me into traction. I'll try anything once. <laughs> fuck me into hospitalization. Let's try it. Oh, my God. It's consensual. Is... It's consensual. Consensual <laughs> hospitalization. Because I'll fuck him up, too. Yeah. I'll get it. He he hasn't seen my moves. He doesn't know what I'm capable of. I will fuck him up too. <laughs> All right, Sam, you you've, you've opened a door that we're never going to be able to close. He always does. Sam always does. Always does. All right. Um, you got to tell right. me how you're answered this fuck, Mary kill. Yeah. Bringing up the caboose on this epic game of FMK. <laughs> so... I feel like these, this tracks, maybe. I don't know. Does it? So my FMK is going to be laid out like this. I'm going to fuck Arnold. Duh. What do you mean, duh? <laughs> I'm a huge Arnold person. Well, like, okay, I'm, a, true, like I'm a huge Arnold person. And that is something that I have to deal with as well. Because I, I hate that Republican governor shit. Trust right. me. Right. But... In the 80s, he was everything. He was And in Terminator 2 Judgment Day, a formative core memory of my life, when he's naked for the brief moment, I'm like, that is it. That's it. I've been activated sexually by all this. He was your Kevin Klein. (laughs) Yes. When he, especially, you know, especially when he's in the fucking L.A. River Basin with the damn motorcycle and the fucking Mm -hmm. shotgun, I'm like, that is phallic representation for me. Like, there's some kind of, it's just some kind of sexual energy of Arnold. I get it. I get it. And it's not, and, and that is not, that is having said, too, that I've seen Pumping Iron a bunch of times and his whole, like, demeanor and pumping iron where he talks about weightlifting is basically like shooting a load or whatever. It's like, I'm not even, I I know he said that. I know that's a sexy thing to say. I don't, I don't think it is necessarily. I'm speaking, I'm basing this information off of just Terminator, really just Terminator. The man is a horny grandpa. Okay. Yes. And he's he's been a horny grandpa (laughs) since he was young. Yes. He's had those horny grandpa jokes. That is 100% your wheelhouse. Yes. And I saw I saw the Arnold documentary recently, too, where he's, like, driving around in his fucking custom Range Rover with his cigar, chomping on a cigar. Like, he's <laughs> fucking, what's his name from the A-team? Like, I'm just like, what the hell? George Papard. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's such a corny motherfucker. But anyway, I would fucking have to, I just have to say. Right on. Marrying... Marrying, I'm going to marry Sylvester Stallone. Truly, literally just based off of Rambo 3, where at the very beginning of Rambo 3, when he's like a monk, he's like living in that monastery, and he's like, I live a peaceful life. 
I, I will not return to violence. In that moment, but I'm like, I can not- see, I can see how he would be a good husband. He just wants to like live off the land, away oh, from God. the public eye. Maybe we get a ranch somewhere. <laughs> but then he does. He returns to so much violence. Of course. But I'm saying, I, I'm just basing this decision on the first five minutes of Rambo <laughs> 3. So, so sue I, me. I love it. I fucking love yeah. it. Buy Which also ranch. means I'm killing JCBD. I and cannot believe that one. I know. I, I think because I, I don't know what it is about him. I don't know what it is. I'm like, there's just something about him. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I feel about him. I don't want to fuck him or marry him. He's a weirdo. I don't. I don't blame you. He's a straight weirdo. It's a vibe, and I I can't say anything else other than that. It's just a vibe I catch. I'm like, Sometimes what is that's this? all you need. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, what trust is that the what is the vibe of JCVD? But even in Bloodsport, I'm like, he left that lady after he had sex with her. Yeah, and was like, see at the Kumite if you can get in. How are you going to do that? I'm not letting you. He he has the vibe of a, a creep who walks around the mall all day for no reason, every day, never buys anything, always bothering the girls at the coffee shop. Just a mall creep. Oh, he is definitely the kind of guy that would tell you, what kind of stitch are you using to sow those wild oats? Uh, he's murdered his business partner for sure. <laughs> he's got that, that wild oats creep cornball. <laughs> I just picture him so fully in a mall, just being that guy. Like, oh, yeah. where everyone's like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't come in here today. And he always does. <laughs> and then he starts jabber-jawing about some fucking kickboxing match. And you're like, sir, I'm just trying to fold these shirts at the Gap. Can you please <laughs> find a friend? Get a therapist. He's that guy. Go get a Frosty. Leave, leave us alone. Can you get an orange, Julius, please? (laughs) Well, there you have it. Sam, again, you're a legend for sending in a great FMK. And if y'all have emails for us or FMKs for us, please send them. I saw Jidipod at gmail.com. We will read them. We will learn. We will laugh. We will love. We will be afraid of each other forever. (laughs) Speaking of being afraid. Truly. Danielle, you name this theme again. Another one of your barn burner titles. So why don't you tell the folks what the theme is for this week? Our theme this week is Stop Leaving Your Hair on the Soap. (laughs) Yes. And it's movies about roommates. Yes. Roommate hell. Perhaps. Mm. (laughs) I have had a lot of roommates in my life. Have you? I have had a lot of roommates in my life. I left, I mean, I graduated high school and left home when I was 17 and, you know, lived hand to mouth and paycheck to paycheck for a very long time. Roommates were crucial. Yeah. No, it's funny because I always attribute that. I, I think if you... If you live in a town for an extended period of time, like especially in your youth, and you seem to know everybody in the town, I always say it's because you have either 
had a lot of jobs, had a lot of roommates, or both. Yep. Oh, my God. Roommates will bring, like, you just, it's so easy to cross social circles when you have roommates. And if you're both working public-facing jobs and you're hanging out together, it's like you you know everyone at very, very quickly build a community. And that's a blessing and a curse because a lot of times those communities talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of gossip that gets passed around. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, have, I think I can think of at least two roommates who hate my guts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and I will say that I don't know why, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> you left your hair on the soap. <laughs> but what I think is really interesting about this week, well, actually, your movie, which I have not seen in a very long time, and I forgot how good it is, is that, like, mixed-gender roommate c- scenario where it feels like romance could happen or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, wow, that's such an interesting thing about roommates is... is the possibility for romance or or some kind of flirtation. Yeah, especially if you're like strangers when you meet. And yeah. that's that's all that was always weird to me about roommates too, because I always I always had roommates in places that were not my hometown. So I left and started living. And so I all of my roommates were strangers to me. Yeah. And my first ever roommate, we both worked at the mall and both of our we worked at the same coffee shop at the mall and our boyfriends mm-hmm. worked at the same cigarette slash cigar shop in the mall. Mm-hmm. And so we were all four of us always together, which was weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, again, the community, the strangeness of it. Like, it's just a strange thing to be like, hey, I don't know you. You want to live together <laughs> and like meld our <laughs> lives together? Always a little strange, but... Yeah, I just the the possibility of romance, I think, with a roommate situation can be very fraught because you don't want to shit where you live or eat. Yeah. But you also are like the convenience factor cannot be denied. Yeah, absolutely. If you met this stranger in a bar, you might have just fucked, but you met them in a roommate situation. So maybe you still fuck. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and even in the case of my movie, the the idea of roommates bringing in third parties like boyfriends or friends and then they become part of this you know world of people potentially that you could have relationships with and have sex with it's so crazy like i was like i just think about these two movies and having watched them this week going i can't believe i ever used to have roommates it just seems yeah. so intense and crazy you know, I I never should have had roommates. I I'm I guarantee everyone I've ever lived with hates my guts. Yeah, <laughs> I should never have had roommates because I'm too particular. I don't want toast sweat on the counter. Like butter your fucking toast on a plate. Yeah, do your dishes. Like I don't want to be anyone's mom, which is why I don't want to have roommates because I feel like yeah. no one is reaches my level of neatness. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm not to begrudge people who have roommates because, you know, financially, it's the best thing. I mean, you just yeah. save so much money. But I just think about just the simple concept of sharing your space with somebody who's not a family member or a partner. And I'm like, wow, that is such a 
a weird concept. But then again, I've lived alone for so long. That seems weird to me. So there you go. <laughs> I know. But when I was doing it, it felt fine. When I had roommates, I'm like, yeah, of course this makes sense. I'm saving money. We're splitting bills. We could truly have a, another podcast about roommate stories. Completely. Well, look, I'm excited to talk about these two films. They're both thrillers for the most yes. part. And you're going first. Ooh, ooh, ooh. My movie was released in 1994. The screenplay is by John Hodge. It was directed by Danny Boyle. And my movie is Shallow Grave. Go ahead, Dan. Telephone the police. Tell them there's a suitcase full of money and you don't want it. I also love that both of our films showcase the worst possible outcome of living with somebody, of having a Yes. <laughs> worst yeah. possible outcome. Totally. So... I know we haven't covered a lot of Danny Boyle on the show, but he is a very prolific and well-known director. You know, 28 Days Later, he's he's train spotting. Like, he's just directed so many things that people love, including the opening ceremony to the Olympics a few years ago. People loved it. But I love – I like his style. Um, he is Scottish, and he he kind of based a lot of his early films in Scotland or in – the kind of world that he was familiar with. But I think that what what I respond to, what I really love about his directing is that he has a very unique and specific eye. For example, like he does in most of his films, there's a shot of somebody kind of on their side looking straight at the camera. Um, mm -hmm. He loves to use the saturation of the color red um, to kind of help emphasize a story. And if there's one thing that you can always count on in a Danny Boyle movie, it's a creepy fucking doll. <laughs> doll, yeah, yeah. He That's loves a good. fucking creepy doll. But he kind of has this like noirish approach to his directing that I just appreciate. And it's also really infused with humor. And I think he doesn't, you know, the way he, the way that he shows and showcases people is, is interesting. And it, this is his first film. Like it started for me with this film with Danny yeah. Boyle and this movie, I'll give you the one sentence synopsis. Three young professionals in Edinburgh try to find a new roommate, take a joke too far. And a bunch of people end up dead. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so the cast is incredible. We've got Carrie Fox playing Juliet Miller. Christopher Eccleston plays David Stevens. And Ewan McGregor is Alex Law. And these are all, like, these actors were just starting out. Like, yeah. they could not look more babyish if they tried. I particularly love Ewan McGregor's look in this film. His hair is a little bit longer, but he always wears these, like, white scrunchy socks. Yes. That's like, come back, by the way. That look has come no, back. No, it hasn't. Ma'am, if you go out on these streets right now, you will see people wearing scrunchy white socks with, like, Birkenstocks. I can't handle this shit. This is news <laughs> that I cannot use. Well, and, like, it, to it totally was, like, because I wasn't sure. I was like, is this the first time that I'd ever seen or heard of Ewan McGregor? Mm. Yeah, it was for me. Yeah. I think it was for, sure. for me, too. And so, of course, I just, like, hyper-focused on his look. He just looks really young. And his style, which I feel like his style in this movie is current fashion in a yeah, weird way. Yeah, come back around. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's absolutely come back. And, and same with Juliet, like, where she wears, like, a little t-shirt under a strappy dress or yes. something. Like, her look is also very, like, very 90s, but apparently 
It's coming back around, which I cannot handle. I don't know. But they're kind of great. And they're, and the thing is, like, they're all professionals. You know, they're Juliet's a doctor. David is an accountant. And Alex is a journalist or an aspiring journalist. And you never quite know how they got to be roommates. But when you first meet them, they are sitting on a couch and interviewing people to be their fourth roommate. And I got to say, when you first meet them, they are fucking pricks. Like, they are so goddamn mean <laughs> to everyone that comes yeah. in the door. And they're just treating it like a joke completely at the expense of these people who are looking for a place to live. Yeah, I, that really hit me this time. Just they're, they have kind of this, I don't know what the vibe is. It feels kind of like they're this Algonquin roundtable type of friend group like they're all like we're so fun and smart and interesting and we we have to find this other person and they're never going to be as interesting and fun as us so let's just make fucking fun of them and rip them to shreds um that's kind of the vibe that i felt when i was watching this again right yeah, and it's a it is a weird vibe of like why are they even getting a fourth roommate if they're right. all these professional young people? They live in a huge loft. Yes, like the loft is gorgeous and it's again monstrous. But why are they even go putting people through this if they don't even seem to want a fourth roommate? That's what was interesting to me too is like do they even want a roommate? Yeah. Are they do- like so that was never made ex- explicit. Yeah. As to why they're doing this. But the way they go about it is just so cruel, especially like the first guy, Cameron. They're kind of like, why do you think we would ever want to live with you? And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Poor guy. So they're just ripping everybody to shreds. They're kind of pricks. Like at one point, um, Alex, the Ewan McGregor character, asks like, what would you do if you have to sacrifice a goat? And like they're just asking the stupidest questions, which really did also bring me back to having roommates. It's like, what kind of questions do you ask? to figure out if you're living with someone who's compatible with you. So they're kind of making fun of the process of looking for a roommate, but also being dicks. Also, you know what's something I noticed, and this is maybe a connective thread between the two films. They took photos of the potential roommates. And I was like, A, I cannot fucking believe that that ever happened. B, did anybody take a photo of you when you were applying to be somebody's roommate? I can't imagine that, right? No. <laughs> I can't even imagine a world where in the 90s that would have been cool. Yeah, this happens. Let alone now. Yes, this happens in both of our films where I'm like, I never provided a headshot for any roommate no. scenario. <laughs> so and weird. what's weird is like, it kind of makes sense if you're seeing a lot of people to be like, which one was this? But it's also, I think, a very professional way to approach roommates, which I just never reached. For me, it was always yeah. like, oh, do you know someone who wants to live here or needs a room? Yeah. Like, they kind of, in both scenarios, in both films, were treating finding a roommate like finding, like hiring someone for a job. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It was. Yeah, you're right. That was so bizarre. Because yeah. I never did that at any point in my life. And I wouldn't even do it now. If somebody wanted to live here, I'd be like, all right. Yeah. I, I have to remember your face, I guess. Yeah. I mean, sh- just show up and let me look at you. I don't want, I don't need a Polaroid. This isn't like a, you know, a modeling job. <laughs> and like- then what do you do with them? If, if, if you are somebody who took pictures of your potential roommates in the 90s, did you keep the Polaroids? Are you looking through the Polaroids now and you're like, oh shit, I could have lived with you and McGregor at one point. Yes. Oh, if, if you somehow did this in your life and you have 
stories of it, please email us because I am fascinated by it. Oh, you got to do it. You got to do it. But yeah, we're kind of like, so we're thrown into this world and the, the roommates themselves have, you know, the three have a really good relationship, but it's also kind of strange because they're very like, they, they feel like siblings at some point where they're just always needling each other, but they go out and play squash together. They go to parties together. There's a little bit of sexual tension between Juliet and Alex because, you know, of course there is. And, you know, David is very high strung, but he... He seems the, of the three the most likely to be like the very serious one, but they make they make dinner together and they kind of have a good thing going on. So the person they decide to allow to live with them is this very mysterious man named Hugo who shows up one day and he only talks to Juliet. And then she kind of convinces the other two to have dinner with him. And he says he's a writer. And they're like, oh, a writer, like, can you afford this apartment? And he pulls out a wad of cash and shuts everybody up. And he's like, yeah, I can afford it. Here's your fucking money for this room. And at one point, David falls into that line of questioning where they're kind of asking ridiculous questions. And he says, oh, have you ever killed a man? But then we flash back to Hugo actually killing someone at like an ATM. He answers Mm. no. But as a viewer, we know that he has literally killed someone. So he's very mysterious. He moves in. He has two suitcases. He sneaks into the apartment, goes into his room, locks the door. The roommates know he's there, but they haven't seen him for like a day or two. And his car is still out front. So they're kind of like trying to bust into the room and they're peeking in and trying to like, you know, get in. They finally open the door. They kick open the door. And they all come pouring in. And Hugo is dead. He's dead and naked on his bed, like a Stone Temple Pilot song. <laughs> just Wang hanging out, just unceremoniously dead. I forgot that Wang was there, by the way. I was like, <laughs> fucking shocked. Danny Boyle, he'll give you a creepy doll and a little Wang every time. <laughs> he ain't afraid of a Wang. Yeah. But he, so he's dead, and they're like, what the fuck? And Alex starts going through his shit immediately. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, "Um, it's a story. And Juliet's like, it's not a story. It's a corpse. And even though she's a doctor and she's seen them all, like she's seen corpses all the time, she's still a little rocked by one being in her fucking house. So as Alex is going through all of his shit, Juliet starts to call 999 and Alex finds drug paraphernalia. So Hugo's probably overdosed. It's how we're thinking he's died. But then he finds and opens one of the suitcases. And just as Juliet's about to start talking to the emergency services, he walks forward with a suitcase and you see that it is filled to the goddamn brim with cash. So she hangs up. And this is where shit gets weird. Alex wants to keep the money. Juliet and David do not. They eventually decide to keep it. But David is already starting to get a little bit weird. Like, even when he saw the dead body, he's like, I saw the dead body. I've seen a dead body before. It was my grandma. But she was alive. And you're like, David, what are you talking about? Like, he's just starting to wig out a little bit. But they decide to leave the body in the room and go to work. So that's a weird choice. I mean, good Lord, if I'm your roommate and I die, please call someone right away. Don't leave me in my fucking room all day crooked with my fucking tits out just like cover me up (laughs) and call someone yeah but they go to work and then they finally agree 
not only are we going to keep the money, but if we're going to keep the money, and we don't know this guy, we don't even know his last name. If we're going to keep the money, we have to get rid of the body. So how do they decide to get rid of the body? They are going to cut off the hands and feet and smash in the teeth so that if the body is ever found, it is unrecognizable and unable to be identified. And they come to this decision so fucking quickly. It's very, very surprising. (laughs) Yeah. And also, even though they've come to this decision, they haven't decided who's actually going to do the deed. So David's already freaking out because he's like, I can't do it. Like, I can't cut off hands and feet. I can't smash teeth in. I can't be the one. So they steal a high. And Juliet doesn't want to do it either. So they steal a hospital maintenance van. They kind of sneak the body out one night of their flat. They sneak it out of their flat. And then they draw straws. And whoever draws the short straw has to do the deed. And it's David who has to do the deed. Now, at the same time this is happening, we're starting to realize that people are actually looking for Hugo because there's a lot of violence happening as people are, are looking for Hugo. There's a lot of killing going on by these two dudes who are trying to find him. Yeah. So... They draw the straws, and the sh- drawing the straws means it's all or nothing. Like, if you draw the short straw, you have to do the teeth, the feet, the hands, everything. Oh, so Alex digs the grave, and David cuts off the feet. And they show, like, again, Danny Boyle in this great use of red and, like, drama and mystery. He kind of shows this really creepy, this really creepy shot of them digging the grave and of David like sawing and you can hear the crunching sounds and he's like stopping to vomit and it's just yeah. so visceral. It is such a visceral scene and it does not, it's not cute at all. Yes. And like, keep in mind, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, like David looks like he's in an indie pop band. He looks yes. like he's in the feelies or something like he's got he's got these like nerdy glasses i mean he's adorable as all hell i have to say he he reminded me of every guy that i had a crush on in college that looked like they were you know freaking (laughs) in a sarah records band in the 80s and i like so when you see him having to be so violent and horrible it you're like, holy shit, like, this, it doesn't make sense that this nerd could be even doing any of this, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, like, if it if it was Alex, it would have made sense because he's kind of weirdly perverse. Yeah, he's kind of up for it in that yeah. way, in a, lot of, in a lot of the movie, so it is strange. And Juliet's a doctor, so it would have made more logical sense for her to be the one to do it. Right. But, yeah, you're right, seeing David do it and his his kind of naivete and his he's already so pent up and it's just it, it was absolutely the worst of the possible choices for him to totally. do it and that quickly becomes very evident because david starts to get real fucking weird so they they take the money and they store it in the attic david kind of puts it up there and juliet brings the body parts to the hospital and puts them in the incinerator and then alex kind of pushes the car off the cliff so they're actually really adept at covering the crime if nobody was looking for hugo they absolutely could have gotten away with it like 100 which is kind of again shocking also that the ease with which they seem to have been able to dispose of this body is right kind of strange especially because they didn't kill him so it's really strange look at who they are as people um in a really Mm -hmm. cool character point or point of character development i think but one day 
you know, they go to this cool fundraiser for this uh, this event. And I, the only reason that we, I mean, there's so much that happens in this scene. But one of the reasons that I love this scene is you get to see Juliet really fucking with Alex. Um, and at one point they're dancing and they're spinning around and he falls on the floor and she just steps on him. Like she just steps on his neck and puts her foot in his mouth and he like mm. licks it. And I'm like, these two are into each other in a way that I don't think they've acknowledged. Yeah. But he's just like looking right up her skirt and she's got her foot on his fucking neck. And I'm like, all right, get it, Juliet. <laughs> that's one she's way a, to do it. That's right. Yeah, that that part was, uh, that's when I kind of was like, oh yeah, remember roommates who flirted like that? <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> not that that ever happened to me, but in that way where you're like, that that's what kind of made me think of the beginning uh, you know, when we were talking about the theme, is just this yeah. sexual tension that's flowing through these characters, right? Oh, and the sexual energy between those two, especially, it's like, yeah, wild because they they eventually um, these two guys who are looking for Hugo kind of find them, find their find their way to Alex, David, and Juliet, and they kind of kick in the door. They beat the shit out of Alex's leg. You know, they're kind of just terrorizing Alex and Juliet while. David is in the attic um, and he comes down and wrecks shop and kills them. So mm. Alex and Juliet are like, what the fuck? And they have to go back out and bury a couple more bodies and do the same thing with the hands and the feet and the teeth. And so now mm. they've killed three people. They've killed two people and buried three bodies. And David just straight up moves into the attic, just straight up moves into the attic. So at one point, Alex and Juliet find the suitcase of money and they're like trying to blow off steam and they buy a bunch of shit. And even in that scene, like they're having so much fun in that like 90s way where they're like, we have a camcorder and like we're do we're wearing dresses and we're in the bathtub. And they're just kind of having they have a very different and much more playful relationship. Um, yeah. But David's fucking pissed. He's like, why? Why are you spending money? Like, what is going on? We shouldn't be mm. so obvious. At the same time, he has flat out moved into the attic and he kind of started, he put a lock on the door to the attic from the outside, which is weird. Um, he has a mattress up there. And then he starts just drilling holes in the ceiling so he can scurry around and start looking at Alex and Juliet during the day, like while they're getting ready for work and while they're doing thing. Like he is straight bugging the fuck out. And yeah. it is, at this point, I'm going to stop talking about the film i do not want to ruin it for anyone but i will say that at one point alex is sent as a journalist to cover the crimes that he committed and that is a wild scene and things just get increasingly more tense but it builds to an ending that has stuck with me from the minute i saw it like it has mm. stuck with me from the fucking second i saw this movie I, I will never forget the last shot of this movie and it's the way that the story kind of develops, we're looking at basically from start to finish this incredibly tight group of roommates that eventually d devolve into people who kind of hate each other. So it's really interesting to see how that works out. But I just, I think this movie is fucking spectacular. I think, you know, again, showcase Danny Boyle as a fantastic director. Every actor, you could see the beginnings of how incredible their careers were going to be. Not, not for nothing, but Christopher Eccleston, when they rebooted Doctor Who, he was the first Doctor. And he wears a leather coat. It's really cute. But yeah, like the actors are great. The, <laughs> the script is incredible. I actually read the script. Um, you can find it on the internet script 
movie database, I think it's called. But read it if you're at all interested in that kind of stuff, because the transitions into the scenes and the way that, you know, the descriptive use of language that John Hodge uses is pretty impeccable. And it's just, to me, a perfect movie from top to bottom. Yeah. I. You know what's really... You know what really grabbed me this time? So... If you did not grow up in the VHS era, I apologize. You will not understand this, (laughs) probably. (laughs) But I swear I have seen the trailer for Shallow Grave maybe a hundred times. I think it was attached on, it might have been, hate to say it, the cutting edge, um, (laughs) where every time I watched the VHS of the cutting edge, they used to put trailers at the beginning of the tape, right? And so you would see trailers for movies before you would get into the movie. And a lot of times you fast forwarded them. Usually they're about three or four, you know, kind of like when you go to the movies now. But like there was, I think the Shallow Grave trailer was attached to either The Cutting Edge or some other movie that I saw a whole lot of times. So when I was watching the movie again this time, I was like, almost kind of like waiting for the trailer scenes to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's definitely like the the scene of when he says, ooh, this is a story. And Juliet says, no, this is a corpse. I remember that from the trailer. I yep. remember the eye, like um, the kind of the shot of David's eye, you know, mm-hmm. kind of that kind of motif happening over and over again. And then like the whole like, if you can't trust your friends, then what then? What then? Or whatever that whole speech. And that was in the trailer. That's a bad accent, by the way. Do not kill me, Scotland. (laughs) But um, (laughs) it's that thing of like, I was just (laughs) watching the movie and and remembering how, you know, how the trailer was structured and what scenes they used for the trailer. Anyway. Yeah. Having said all that, I enjoyed it so much. It had been a long time since I've seen it. It is... I definitely noticed that the fashions have come back around. <laughs> the slouchy fucking socks. The vests. I think all vests I want, are back. All I want to come back around is at some point, uh, Juliet is wearing that Je m'appelle Raquel t-shirt. <laughs> that has to come back. That's it. Everything else can stay in the 90s, but that has to come back. <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad you picked it. Perfect for the theme, obviously. And um, just a, a real fun movie. Yeah. It's just, the again, the roommate situation and how you can go from, like, happiness and joy and the prospect of hope and how quickly that can be demolished when you live with someone is beautiful. Yeah. Speaking of which... Whoop! Whoop! <laughs> you want to talk about some more bad fucking roommates? Always. All right. Well, my movie for the theme, Stop Leaving Your Hair on the Soap, is a movie from 1991. It was written by Don Ruse, directed by Barbette Schroeder, and it's called Single White Female. I know you weren't yourself when you did this thing. I know. I was you. Hey, yes, Single White Female. Heard of it, perhaps? (laughs) (laughs) So... This film was adapted from a book, which the book was called SWF Seek Same 
by John Lutz. I haven't read it. But it was adapted by the screenwriter and director Don Ruz, who we talked about in our episode about the opposite of sex from a while ago. Because mm-hmm. remember, he directed that film. I know that we've never done a Barbette Schroeder film on the podcast before, but we could if we decided that we would be interested in seeing Gerard Depardieu being tied up by a dominatrix. Check. <laughs> Duh. Or if we want to see Mickey Rourke playing Charles Bukowski. So let me know. All right. Let me yeah, know if that's something it. you want to do. <laughs> think about it. So I have seen Single White Female a lot. The last time I saw it was in 2015, according to my Letterboxd account. <laughs> this is a very entertaining movie. It's very of its time, which I'll get to in just a second. Maybe has some plot points that are slightly ridiculous, but it's a very serviceable erotic thriller starring two titans of 1990s-ness, Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Mm-hmm. So up top, I just have to say this, when I was researching this film, of course, there was a lot of stuff that I ran into online about how Bridget Fonda retired from acting in the early 2000s and has barely been seen since then. But then apparently she was recently tracked down and paparazzi at like LAX or something. And she doesn't look like she did in her 20s. No one does. Can you imagine not looking exactly like you did 30 years ago? Mm. How and it dare was this, she? It was this whole thing where I was like, I need, I need y'all to leave her ass alone. Okay, mm-hmm. like, let her be a civilian woman. You know, she has this... She's had this Hollywood life since she, before she was fucking born, basically. Yeah. You know, she's a Fonda. She's got kids. She's like, like, she's living her life. Yeah. And I just am like, I don't know. I just hate this whole thing of like people who are just truly trying to just be outside of the public eye. Who yeah. people are like, what happened to them? Let's go find them and see how old they are now. It's just fucking mean. No, like that fucking Richard, that, that fucking podcast where that guy was like looking for Richard Simmons and like, we need to let people go away. Like, And especially because this is a choice that a lot of people are making. Like Bridget Fonda made a choice to have yeah. a different life. Let her have that. Well, and obviously it's quite different for us to be like, Hey, Google Ken Wall and see when the last movie he made was versus tracking somebody down at an airport with a camera and being like, hey, so uh, you want to be in a movie again? You know, like just, uh, I hate that shit. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. But anyway, end of rant. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. So one sentence synopsis of Single White Female. A software engineer living in New York City gets more than she bargained for after putting an ad in the paper for a roommate. Yup. I also, uh, before before you start, I yes. just want to jump in and say, I think this movie did for re- for roommates what Fatal Attraction did for marital affairs. A hundred percent. I feel like there was a lot of things in this era that were 
created around the concept of like the crazy woman. Mm-hmm. You know, people have written about this. I'm not discovering anything new here. I'm just, I'm saying in my own dumbass way that there's a reason why these movies were popular and the, the, the terms and the, the terminology from the films have proliferated because it was that thing of like, what's the scariest thing that could happen is if a woman went fucking crazy on you. (laughs) (laughs) They're supposed to be so sweet. (laughs) Oh, it turns out you can't trust women at all, even as roommates. Yeah. They're fucking, they'll try to fuck you and then kill you. They're (laughs) nuts. They did pick up on our whole MO. We had to change the fucking game after that. We had to change the rules for ourselves. We're like, oh shit, they're onto us. They know we want to fuck them and kill them. I know, I know. That's what I was put on this earth to do. (laughs) Um, But, so, I think we all know now that this is campy as shit, right? Like, both Fatal Attraction and Single White Female is are very camp to me in that way because it mm-hmm. is that sort of like what's the biggest fear of men pretty much and this is it's just so funny to to see this because again this there's so much like there are so many hilarious things happening in this movie if you watch it from modern eyes my favorite is i mean there's a lot but my favorite is just right up top there's a picture of um Bridget Fonda's boyfriend on the refrigerator and he's just hanging from a fence <laughs> Let's get a picture of you hanging from this fence. That was the 90s. Yeah, in a nutshell. But, you know, so like, you know, I think I have alluded to this. The term single white female, right, is pretty much now the generic term for somebody who is so obsessed with another person that they change their look to look like them. And, you know, we'll get into that, obviously, in a moment. But you've got Bridget Fonda. She's playing this character named Allie. At the beginning of the film, she's in a relationship with a man named Sam, who was who was played by Steven Weber, who at the time was in a very popular television show called Wings. And this show was about two brothers who were working in a small town airport. And they couldn't be more different, right? Because Steven Weber was the younger brother. He was just a carefree jokester. And then Tim Daly was the older brother, and he was very uptight. Guess which one Millie had a crush on? Ha! I think I've actually gone on record. Yes. <laughs> to talk about how I fucking loved Tim Daly and Wings. <laughs> I still love him, by the way. I know. Same. He He's sexy in those pneumonia vaccine commercials. I'm sorry. And he's and- also, he's out there marching and like, Active, yes. He's an activist. Like I, I'm down with Tim Daly. Yeah, I'm down with Tyne Daly, his yeah. sister. Hell Cagney yeah, Cagney. And Lacey. <laughs> Come on, baby. Cagney and Lacey, hell yeah. What a family. But Steven Weber was a hottie in this era, and so in the in the very beginning of the movie, they're together. They live together. You know, he's hanging out on fences, on her refrigerator. But then here's the thing: is that It gets, like, within the first, like, 10 minutes of the movie, it gets quickly revealed that he's actually been cheating on Allie with his ex-wife, which gets revealed via an answering machine. Mm. And and more specifically, this phenomenon that happened 
back in the days of answering machines where when you had a landline and the answering machine picked up and then you were too late to the to grab the phone and the answering machine picked up before you were to pick up, the answering machine would basically broadcast your voice talking on the answering machine and record it at the same time. They couldn't figure out that tech for a long time. They couldn't figure out how to just get you to record without everyone hearing it in your building. Oh my God. I remember this happening daily at my house. Yeah. Where you would, the answer machine would go off and it was always my dad who left the message. Why did that happen? Well, and it was also like people started using it as a way to be like an intercom. So they'd call and they'd be like, you know, the thing would beep and they'd be like, I know you're there, pick up, get out of the bathroom, pick up. Like the message would just be like people saying, pick up the phone. Yeah. And then there would be this like feedback of this like, you know, (laughs) screeching of like two people, like the answer machine broadcasting while you're talking on the, I mean, it was such a nightmare. But then, you know what also reminded me of this? At a certain point, my dad, I guess was like, wouldn't it be funny if we got one of these answering machine tapes where it would be like Rich Little doing a Ronald Reagan impression. And it would be like him going like, well, we're not here right now. No, no. You don't remember these tapes? You can buy these tapes. There's, there was all these jokey ones too. Like nobody's home. Oh yeah. Nobody's home. Yeah. And then Halloween, forget it. You could have, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Every day, uh, Halloween-themed. And they were just literally cassette tapes that you oh could record your answering machine messages. To. I mean, it was such... Dude, the tech... I can't even. <laughs> old tech. Can't. It's gross. Old tech is gross, always. Horrible old tech. But anyway, so the the movie essentially is hinged on this, on this idea that Allie figures out that her boyfriend is cheating on her because of the fucking answering machine. So this sets off a chain of events, okay? And so she's like, you gotta go. You've been cheating on me. Fuck you. She's living sexily in midair in this amazing apartment in New York, okay? And so he's gone. A rent controlled. Absolutely. So Sam is gone and, you know, she's she's having conversations with her her next door neighbor, this gay guy named Graham, and she's like, I'm a little lonely. Maybe I should get a roommate. There we go. So this is how it starts. One thing that I wanted to point out, this is just like some trivia that I think is really interesting, but you know what? So the exterior of the apartment that this movie takes place in is, I think it's called the Ansonia Building in New York, which was a very famous building. It was in like Three Days of the Condor, my favorite film of all time. (laughs) But the basement of the building was most famously the Continental Baths, which were, you know, the old old gay bathhouses where Bette Midler got her start, you know, where she was Mm -hmm. doing her act in in the bathhouses. And um, even like Larry LeVon, who was a Paradise Garage DJ, very famous DJ, spun you know, all over New York in this era. You know, he got his career started there. So it's just a very famous place. So anyway, I just thought that was really interesting about the building, the exterior of the building. So we're cutting to Allie now, living alone. She's a 
a person who has created fashion software. I was like, wow, she's like a a STEM queen. Like, like, what? Beauty and brains. And even though the software looks like, you remember those little fashion plates that people would get where you could like change the head and the outfit and then you color over it? Yes. That's what the software looks like, but it's high tech for 1991. Right. And it's like, the funny thing is, is that it's all this like back end stuff too, where she's like, you need accounting software? It's part of it. You need inventory tracking? I got you. Like she basically is Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) In this film. Which I'm like, wow. So, but here's the thing. So she, she's selling her product to this absolute fucking creep named Mitch, who is played by Steven Telblowski. I think we know Steven. He was in sneakers. Everything. everything. (laughs) He, He has played a creep his entire life. So... Here's the thing. She starts going through the the process of hiring a roommate. So she's meeting people in the apartment. She's taking Polaroids or whatever the hell she's doing. And then one day, this kind of mousy, dark-haired lady shows up. And her name is Hedra. Don't know if I've ever met a Hedra in my life. Have you ever heard this name before? Never. Never. Not even in like a Southern Gothic, Gothic novel. Yes, I I was definitely like, wow, her name is very unique. Even Allie at one point is like, you know what? That shit's pretty weird. You should change it. (laughs) (laughs) And then she decides to start calling her Hetty, like Hetty Lamar, right? The actress Hetty Lamar. So anyway, so of course, they bond pretty quickly. Hetty becomes her new roommate, okay? So Allie finds out pretty quickly that Hetty is real comfortable, real quick. Like, alarmingly so, okay? Hetty is pretty much walking around naked on the first day. She gets them a fucking dog on, like, the first week. That shit was why I forgot that part. And I'm like, Ah. oh, wait. She bought a dog for $350,1991 and then pretended she just, like, found it. Yeah. But who just gets a dog in a new roommate situation? Yeah, and the timeline was kind of fuzzy. So I was expe- I was thinking she's been there like a week and then she just said, I bought a dog. Yeah, I found, found like, this dog. Found this dog. Let's, I thought we could take care of it. Mm. Uh, I was definitely, that was a, a, a Christo level red flag for me this time Completely. around. So as you can imagine, eventually Sam shows back up and he's like, come on, baby, let's get back together. And Allie's like, should I? Hetty, as you can imagine, is now like, holy shit, who is this man that's coming in (laughs) and threatening our domestic bliss with this child slash dog that we have now, right? Also, mild justice for Hetty. She did say before (laughs) she moved in, mild, considering (laughs) what happens, mild. Before she moved in, she said, is this going to be one of those situations where you guys get back together and I have to find another place to live? And Allie told her no. Yeah. So. She takes it too far. She takes it too far. But she was in the right on that. True. I mean, that is a fucking pain in the ass. Not going to lie. But I think she takes it too far, as you have just said. I mean, 
Hetty basically is like, fuck it, we got to get this guy out of here. She starts sabotaging their relationship in ways that become increasingly disturbing. And by that, I mean, please visit www.doesthedogdie.com to know more. Okay? Like, bad. Also visit <laughs> www. Does she give her roommate's boyfriend a blowjob <laughs> while she's dressed as her roommate.com? I've been sitting on that URL for years, by the way. <laughs> and, and, and people have been asking to buy it from me, and I will never let them. A million fucking dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so. Allie, so eventually Allie and Sam get back together, duh. And she's like, look, we're back together. It won't affect us. I, you can still live here. And then, as you just mentioned, Hetty kind of pulls out all the stops where now she's trying to sidle up to Sam, making him fucking breakfast after he slept over. I mean, it's wild. It gets wild. And while all this has happened, she's al- she's already changed her whole look and cut her hair to look like okay. Allie. We're going to talk about this right fucking <laughs> Because this was like bullet point number one for me in this rewatch. Okay. So we we get the scene that Daniel has just alluded to where they're going to a salon day spa. And Hetty's like, let's go out, be fun to get our hair cut together. But, you know, just as like a friend thing to do, I'm like, I don't know. Haircuts feel like that's a personal time thing. I don't know. Yeah. I ain't waiting around for you to get your hair cut. I'm just telling you right now <laughs> as your friend. So guess what, though? They go, both get their hair cut, and then there's that famous scene of Hetty coming down the stairs with the exact same haircut and color as Allie. And it is a distinctive cut. You don't get a red bowl cut often. This is some fucking mushroom cap, China China Phillips from Wilson Phillips ass fucking hairstyle. I mean, this is wild, this hair. It's not like a, you know, just a simple you know, Bob, this is like a very unique hairstyle that now both of these women have. And I started thinking about this and I'm like, it just really hit me this time. Just how fucked up it is to get the same exact hairstyle as your friend. And then to play it off. Like it's not a big deal. Oh my God, dude. When they leave the salon and they are like walking home together, like they're the fucking chicks in the Robert Palmer addicted to love video. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, hell no. Not only did you just steal my look, now you are not going to walk next to me. You're going to walk 100 paces behind me on the opposite side of the street, bitch. Like, none of this. We will never be seen together again until you change that fucking hair. No, we're not doing the monkey's walk, you know, at the beginning of the monkey's (laughs) credits. I'm like, no, no, no. Get away from me. Because we look exactly the same. That is so fucked up. They have the same coloring. They have this. Like, imagine you go out and you get like a D Ant Ward haircut, <laughs> and then your fucking roommate goes out and gets the same severe D Ant Ward haircut and color, and you're the same size and kind of the same coloring. Like, you got to move out of your own fucking apartment at that point. You don't even have no. to. You don't have time to wait around to even ask what's going on. You just got to go. Yeah, this is like. It just was so. Like, I just was sitting in that moment going like, I swear to God, if somebody came, like, one of my friends were like, guess what? We have the same hair color and cut. And I don't even have that radical of a hairstyle. Like, I just would be so fucking pissed. I'd be like, what in the fuck are you thinking? I would just throw the DSM four or five at them. (laughs) 
Like, you better find yourself in here and figure out what the fuck's going on. I mean, look, it just gets completely bonkers from this moment. Hetty is taking everybody out. She's skulking around town in this giant cream-colored dress with combat boots. She looks like she's about to do spoken word at the third stage of Lollapalooza 94. <laughs> like, it is so 90s. <laughs> and it gets to the to this climax, pun intended, perhaps, where, so now Hetty looks like Allie. She's able to sneak into Sam's hotel. Sam is staying in a hotel. First question I had during this scene, he left the door unlocked to his hotel room, which I was Thank like, you. I don't even think that's really possible, even in hotels. Not now. It might have been yeah. back then, but not now. Yeah. Maybe he was staying at a bed and breakfast. I don't know. But she <laughs> she she fucking was able to get into his room. And this is happening at night. And she looks effectively exactly like his girlfriend. And she sneaks into bed with him and manages to perform oral sex on him. He f- realizes it's not his girlfriend like a millisecond before... <laughs> He climaxes. And it is disturbing. Disturbing. It's so weird. It's so (laughs) weird. Oh, God. Because he's like, whoop, can't stop the train. (laughs) He's left the station. (laughs) I don't care who the driver is now. (laughs) It's like, I can't stop. Like, it's, it was, like, again, like, shocking to me in that moment. And this is, to me, is like the pinnacle of the erotic thrillerness of this yes. movie for me because I was just like, oh look at this. Plus, not for nothing, we technically have a Stephen we- Weber Dongassance <laughs> shot, which lo- love that for him. Love that for him. But it was crazy. It was so crazy that that happened. That whole scene was so much more shocking than I remember it being. Yes, and. Not for absolutely fucking nothing, but it ends in probably the best way possible, which is a high heel to the eyeball. (laughs) Stiletto to the dome. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's a wrap for me. As far as that's concerned, the movie goes on from there. I think, you know, I won't spoil it, obviously, unless you went to doesthedogdie.com and might have laid it all out for you. But honestly, it's such a fun, fun, fun 90s throwback erotic thriller movie. I mean, it is just, there are certain moments of this friendship that get rolled out that are so questionable. You're going to be like, why did that ever happen? Like, why? Like, how did it even get to that point? I mean, we're, we don't even have time to talk about the the cat Mona Lisa that Allie's got in her apartment. <laughs> like, Hetty, why are you moving in? Because Allie's kind of a creep herself. Like, she's skulking around Hetty's room and, like, doing her own creep shit. Oh, yeah. Basically, just do not watch this movie if you have roommates, if you will have roommates, if you are afraid of your roommates if you don't like your roommates. Like, just, this is a, a hard movie to watch. It'll have, basically, it'll have you looking at everyone in your life like they're a little sus. Oh, definitely. I mean, 
like, there's a lot of information that gets ruled out because of Allie's snooping, but it is snooping. It is her being like, well, my roommate's in the shower, so let me start going through her shit, you know? Which is, which I've never done. I don't know if you ever did that, but I've never done that. No, I think I ironed out in a couple episodes ago. I'm just too lazy to do the investigative work like that because it's just like, again, it becomes a full-time job. Once you find out some weird shit about your roommate, you're like, well, now I got to go through everything. Now I got to like go to the microfiche in my college library and see if they've murdered anybody. I don't know. Like, it's just, it becomes a, it's a slippery slope. I think we all know. You either do that footwork before you say yes, or you don't do it at all. Right. But Jennifer Jason Lee is a G. She fucking, like, is scary as fuck. And there was, like, a scene where she loudly cracked her knuckles, and I jumped out of my chair. (laughs) 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 Like, everything she does in this movie puts me on edge. That's it for me. I, again, if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, it is so fun. And... Perfect for the theme, maybe, because you've got roommates who are really bad, like truly bad. And when you pair it with Shallow Grave, you're like, live by yourself. (laughs) Even if it's in a crawl space, just be alone. You don't need roommates. I'll send Jean-Claude Van Damme over there to fix your crawl space up. (laughs) Go hop on those nuts over to that fucking apartment over there make sure you can hang that (laughs) shelf (laughs) oh my god listen this episode was super fun loved watching these movies again yes if you want to email us for any reason we are at i saw what you did pot at gmail.com send us questions for the bonus episodes please make them short if you can um and also if you don't want them read on air potentially you'll have to say that in the email um and also if you're old school and you want to write a handwritten letter we also have a p.o box which is in the link tree on our instagram page we are also doing something completely new for our listener questions you can now send in a voicemail and we'll play it on air it can be a question a comment a fart story whatever just send it in and just know that if you send it in we're assuming we can play it on the show Uh, Please make it 60 seconds or less and record it in a quiet space. I'm going to say that again. You can send us voicemails, but please make it 60 seconds or less and record it in a quiet space. And then all you have to do is record your note on your phone and email it to I saw you did pod at gmail.com. That's right. We are very excited to roll this out because we gotten so many great emails. And then I think at some point we were just like, why don't we just let them send voicemails? Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it's easier said in a a voicemail. Absolutely. And those are going to be fun. I can't wait to start getting those. So, all righty. And then also, if you want, we're on social media. We are at I Saw Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Sorry. I'm just, I can't say X. I just can't do that. So anyway, we're there. And um, we also have merch too. If you go to the Exactly Right shop, Uh, We have a section. And our bonus episodes are coming out constantly. We have a new bonus episode every third Thursday of the month dropping in the main feed. And our old bonus episodes are trickling out into the main feed every couple of weeks on Wednesdays. Awesome. So your movies for next week's episode are Moonstruck from 1987 and Crossing Delancey from 1988. 
Oh, I can't wait for next week. Danielle, as always, a fucking pleasure doing this podcast with you. So much fun. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. been an exactly right production produced by casey o'brien mixed by edson Choi. our theme song is by tom Bryfogel. artwork by garrett ross our executive producers are georgia hardstart karen kilgariff and daniel kramer you can follow us on instagram and twitter at i saw pod and you can email us at i saw what you did pod at gmail Follow I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.